I've been up a long time this morning thinking about the rally to end abortion that I was at yesterday as I was trying to prepare to preach today. And I wondered if the Spirit was prompting me to make some last-minute adjustments. And I asked God this morning as I was, as I was wrestling over whether I, I, I'd preach what I had prepared to preach or I would address this subject of abortion, because it would be wrong for me to not seek the Lord in that, for me to just talk about whatever I want to talk about since it was fresh on my mind. And as soon as I bowed my head to ask, it was as if the Holy Spirit just said, are you serious? How are you going to be moved and convicted by what you heard and what you saw and then just carry on? And you want to hear something awful, y'all? I kept the original sermon down here just in case I chickened out once I got up here. And then I remembered how many pastors I stood with from all over the state of South Carolina stood shoulder to shoulder with yesterday. One. And three elders from the same church. Our hearts are hard and desensitized to the issue of abortion in the church. And it's not a political issue. It's a love your neighbor issue. Our most vulnerable and defenseless neighbors need to be able to count on us. And your children know it. From the mouth of babes, right? You heard them. What do you do when you see injustice like that? What do you do when you see weak and vulnerable people being bullied and beat up on and attacked and they're defenseless? What do you do? You stand up for them. Here's our text for this morning. What was impressed upon me this morning as I was thinking, as I was praying. Please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 10 through 12. I'll give you a quick second to turn there. I know you guys had Matthew 7 queued up. We'll get there. Proverbs 24. Verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, listen to this, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? This is the word of the Lord. I'll start by saying, y'all, I, have, I don't know where I'm going. I, I don't know. Just going out on a limb here. Just, just trusting that this is what I was supposed to speak today and going with it. So let me just say on the front end, as I become passionate about this, as I, as, as I urge you, to, to do something to stand up for the, the defenseless among us. Let me please assure you, I do not want you focused on what you have not done 
I do not want to guilt trip you for whatever didn't happen yet. But I do want your hearts to be open to the possibility there may be more you can do in the future. Okay? So this isn't a beat-up bash session. But it is a time to wake up. It is a call to arms. Make no mistake about it. So let's not dwell on the past. We're not called to dwell on the past. We're supposed to keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. We're supposed to remember what it is that he's called us to do and enables us to do by his spirit. And one of those things is to love our neighbor. What is the sum of the law? And we're freestyling a little bit here this morning. Y'all feel free to speak up. What is the sum of the law? What does Jesus tell us the sum of the law is? That's right. Love God, love neighbor. And who is your neighbor? Everyone made in the image of God. Everyone made in the image of God. What what is the sixth commandment? You shall not murder. We have to to remember, y'all, again, as I said before, this isn't a political issue. This is is a a love-your-neighbor issue. We'll talk about methodologies and all that kind of stuff later. People disagree on that. They shouldn't. I made a joke last week, but I meant it. What color is this? And it's not so black and white. What color is this? We have a standard. We have a righteous standard that we uphold. And we have to know what it is, and we have to be comfortable. We have to get comfortable saying this is the standard. You shall go this far and no further. God says abortion is murder. It's murder. It's not something less than. It's not kind of murder. It's not like, it's not like miniature murder. It's absolutely atrocious. And I think we forget about that. We've just become desensitized to it. You know, I remember, did you guys have like summer reading? If you went to public school, did you have summer reading? You had to read a book you didn't care anything about. And then the, the first day of 10th grade, I remember I was going to be tested on this book that I hadn't read and I didn't care to read. It had a lame cover. It didn't look interesting at all. And I had better things to do with my time that summer. It was called The Giver. And if you've ever read that book or if you've ever seen that movie, uh, it, it, it got me. I read it like the day before class so that I could pass the test reluctantly and ended up enjoying it a lot. And sort of the, um, the dystopian future that it sets, uh, you have people who have, who have manufactured a sort of utopia. And the way that they've come by that is, is they've erased emotion and feeling. They've sanitized everything by removing memories of wars, uh, by everybody just playing along with, with the status quo. And one of the things that happens is that babies who aren't thriving are brought into a hospital, they're examined, and if they're not going to fit in in society, okay, if they're not going to be fruitful in the society as it's been established, or they're not well, then a man just stands over them and puts this thing in them. They send them to, I forget the place that it's called, but it's like everybody just believes this is the somewhere. There's just this somewhere out there that they go, and this is just what we do, and it's fine. And they don't think anything of it. Just entirely emotionless. There's, no, there's nothing there. But there's a guy that's part of this village that has all of his 
abilities, his, his God-given human abilities to reason, to think, to feel. And he sees this and he recognizes it for the evil it is. Do we... Or have we become desensitized? This is just what we do. This is just what we do here. And it's not happening to me. I mean, I didn't murder a baby. So what has it to do with me? I don't, I don't have to convince anybody in this room that abortion is murder. I know that. So I'm not going to waste time doing that. Okay? But you need to understand, people know it's murder. The, the old arguments of, oh, it's just a clump of cells, that's biologically been proven to be untrue. And they know it. They don't care. They don't care. They know it's a human life. What else could it possibly be? But they say, it doesn't matter. I should still have a right to kill it. Because that's what we do here. That's my freedom. And so people sacrifice their babies on the altars of convenience. And they do it every day in this country to the tune of a 9-11. Remember how awful that was? Why was it awful? Because people died. That many people die in this country every single day. And it's legal and it's clean and it's called safe. It's called health care. It's a service that's so easy to come by and protected, fought for and defended. And what's, what's the issue really, guys? It's personhood, isn't it? Isn't that what we're, what we're trying to help people understand? It's, it's personhood. It, this was the same thing. You think about the Holocaust. Why was that bad? Because millions of image bearers of God were dying. But there was a time when it says, that's not a person, it's a Jew. I should be able to kill it. There was a time in this country, not so long ago, where people would say, it's not a person, it's a slave. I should be able to kill it. And we look back on that, don't we? And we say, how could they let that go on? Y'all, our great-grandchildren will look back on us and say, how could they let it go on so long? Do you want your generations after you to look back on you and to remember your name, to know that you are a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian who went to church, and for them to be able to say, and you stood by and did nothing? What do we think of that person that sees the one being bullied and just watches, just pulls out their phone and records it? You detest those people because that's wicked. It's wicked to stand by and watch the innocent among us being led to the slaughter. And we have to become more sensitive to it. Y'all, I confess, it's easy for me to just be sort of callous to that and have my mind set on other things. And there's a lot of things my mind does need to be set on, and yours too. But we have to make room for this. We have to be able to make room for this. The gospel, remember y'all, is for sinners. And so I want you to understand as we begin to talk a little bit about justice and we talk about some of the stuff that's going on, I think it's important for you to know what's going on. The government, Romans 13, is a doulos, a servant, a slave of God in order to uphold righteousness and to punish evil. According to what standard? 
to God's standard, okay? And so it, it, it's good that we interest ourselves in sort of what's going on at the state level and that we speak prophetically into this issue to our legislators to say, if you don't uphold God's standard and the laws that you're proposing in this state, you will lose your seat. You have the right to do that. And they will listen. They're listening in other states. It's beginning to happen. But the gospel is for sinners. If it's not murder, or if we convince mothers that they're not murdering their children, there is no gospel for them. Do you realize that? Much of the legislation that's being proposed by the pro-life industry, by the pro-life industry, I'm not talking about the pro-choice people, we know what they think and what they say, we know what their arguments are. The pro-life establishment, the ones who go around to churches gathering money in order to go and fight abortion, none of them are willing to stand on the authority of God's word and say, it is murder and it should be punished as murder. If it's not, there's no hope for those women. There's no eternal hope for them because there's no gospel. The gospel is for sinners. Christ did not come to save the righteous, but sinners. And these women need to understand there is hope for them. There is hope for forgiveness of sin because murder is a sin. And that's what's about to happen. That's what you're asking these people to do for you. You're hiring an assassin to kill your baby. That's what's happening. And I won't even go into the gory detail of how they go about doing that for the sake of small ears here this morning. That's what they're doing. And if you don't tell them that's what you're doing, there's no, there's no gospel there. There's no forgiveness where there is no sin. Is God concerned with justice in the first place? That's what we're talking about, justice for the preborn. Is there justice? Is, is God concerned with justice? Well, of course he is. He's concerned with us being concerned with justice. Consider this, Micah chapter 6. I'm going to read you two verses, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So is God concerned with justice? Yes. Shouldn't we be then? Pastors say, it's just our job to preach the gospel. I've heard in recent weeks and months, pastor theologians, a part of my own seminary, say, it's not our fight. We just preach the gospel. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news for you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples and teach the nations to obey me. That's what Jesus said. Those were his parting words to his disciples. It's not our fight. We just pray that God will handle it. Let me read you Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. I hate 
says the Lord. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God's people have always been most severely and strictly judged and punished for practicing partiality and failing to uphold justice according to his law. God would call on creation itself to to bear witness, to testify against his people for their crimes. Now here's something to remember, okay? And we talked a little bit about this as we talked about judgment over the past three weeks. If you are in Christ Jesus, believing on him for the forgiveness of your sins, you can know there is no eternal judgment for you. But we said, didn't we, there's different kinds of judgment? Your nation is being judged. Do you, th- you know how we can tell? When God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. He gives them drag queen story hours at public libraries for children. He gives people over to their confusion and their vulgarity, Romans 1. And we have all that and the murder of tens of millions of children in our nation because God's people can be found in church on Sunday making a joyful noise to the Lord but can't be found in the streets and state houses crying out for their unborn neighbors. We have blood on our hands. I know you didn't do it. I know you don't support it. We, as a nation, we have blood on our hands. Piles of bodies, high enough to make Hitler blush. Let's talk for just a second about methodologies. You have two methodologies. You have a pro-life establishment methodology that wants us to believe their end game is the, the, the end of abortion, but there's no end in sight for them because they propose and support bills that will not stand on the authority of God's word and call abortion what it is, murder. They will not support and will actually vote against and have a proven track record of voting against bills that will support equal protection for the unborn. It's not a a theory, it's a fact. It's a fact of the matter that the pro-life establishment, all the big names and initials you can think of, that you may have spent money supporting, they do not want abortion to end. Well, how could that be? Well, because they know if it ended today, they'd be out of a job tomorrow. There have been bills, heartbeat bills, 
What's wrong with the heartbeat bill? Isn't that a step forward? Well, I don't know. Is it saving babies? Nope. Is abortion still legal? Is, let's call it what it is. Is baby murder, is dismembering babies in their mother's wombs still legal? Yes. Miss me with the heartbeat bill. You think we're going to trust somebody at Planned Parenthood who makes a living off of killing babies and selling their parts in the name of science? We're going to trust that person to find a heartbeat and then put the brakes on and say, oh, no, we can't go any farther? Are you serious? Heard yesterday, can't remember what state it was in, somebody pro-life, pro-life establishment is, is getting behind and sponsoring this bill that they're trying to push through that basically says you can kill your child you just have to give them pain medicine first. And I want to draw the same, same contrast that, that I heard yesterday. It was an apt analogy. Would we have done the same thing with slaves? Would we have done that? You, you can beat the fool out of them. Slap them around, whip them, crush their skulls in, do whatever. Just give them a sip of whiskey first. That's not how you love your neighbor. Not according to God's word. And we have no other standard, do we? There is no other standard. And so there's none we should point to apart from God's word when we say, you should not do this. Well, why? Because God says that's an image bearer. That he, made, he, he knitted that baby together in his mother's womb. And even before then, he knew that child. That's why. Not for some other reason. We don't need some other reason. That's why. The church, as we talk about methodologies, is getting results. Because for the first time in a long time, the church is beginning to stand on the authority of God's word, to call on state legislators and say, you are going to support this. This is what we want and they know, Christian or not, if they don't give the people what they want, they don't get reelected. That's all they want. They cannot hold their positions of power without your vote, without your voice. And if your voice isn't speaking, they can't hear you. They don't know what you want. What I hope today, y'all, is that we would all want it. Want it bad enough to ask, which is funny because that's what the sermon was supposed to be about in Matthew 7. That's what we were going to talk about. We we're going to talk about how, you know, God says, ask and you shall receive. And we know that doesn't mean ask for a Ferrari and you get one. Doesn't mean ask for a yacht and you get one, right? Jesus is directing our attention to what he's already laid down in the Sermon on the Mount. He's told us what we're to be like. When you want those things, you will have them. When you want justice for the preborn, and you want it bad enough that you ask, you will have it. Do you hear me, church? It's the church that God uses to bring about his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus didn't say, the gates of hell will not prevail against the state says the gates of hell will not prevail against my church.
So let me just ask the question, how serious of an issue do we think it is? Are we, are we convinced? Are we, con- are we convinced? And if we are, are we content just talking about how awful it is while we sip our Starbucks? Does our conviction stop there? Do we pat ourselves on the back for the checks that we write to an establishment that has proven they're they're not trying to end this thing? Do we pat ourselves on the back for merely holding a right opinion of the issue? Voting the right way when we get to stand like sheep and cast our ballots. How far is that getting us? Where the church has been called to action, there are things beginning to happen. We cannot continue to be desensitized to it. We we don't have to see it if we don't want to, do we? We can get along that way. Turn a blind eye to it. See nothing, hear nothing, say nothing. We don't have to think about it if we don't want to but I would encourage y'all this morning to think about it, to talk about it. Talk about it in your community groups today. Talk about it, pray about it. Want it so desperately that you ask and are willing to say, because it looks different for everybody, you're willing to say, God, here I am, send me. What do you want me to do? Instead of excusing yourself, right, and saying, well, I'm going to stay in my lane over here, and, you know, I don't feel particularly called to love my neighbor. Don't we do that? I don't really, I don't don't feel called to do that. I don't really feel called to get involved with that. Show me where you have to be called to love your neighbor. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an aptitude that some people have and are wired for and others aren't. It's a command of God. Love your neighbor as yourself. An unborn baby in the womb, y'all, is every bit as valuable as you are. I think the reason we're desensitized to this is because we don't believe that. Not really. Because if someone that... Can I use him as an illustration? Come here. Mm -hmm. Let me get all the children to come back up here for a second. If they were stacking bodies by the thousands that looked like these every day, would you fight? Would you stand up for them? 
How are they different? You know how they're different? Someone loves them. That's how they're different. Will you love your neighbor as yourself? Y'all go sit back down. Please talk about this today, y'all. Keep the conversation alive. It can't occupy every corner of your mind all of the time. I understand. But talk about this. Talk about it today. You know, and if it's uncomfortable, good. If it feels uncomfortable to begin talking about, kind of turns your stomach a bit, good. It should. Evil should make you uncomfortable. Evil isn't supposed to be comfortable, and ignoring it shouldn't be either. Do be sure of this. Abortion will end one day. The same way that slavery ended, the same way that the the Holocaust came to a close, it will end one day. It will. But when people look back on, on you and your time period as us, as Christians in the church... Will they ask where we were? That haunts me. Let's pray. Lord, our God. God, have mercy on us. Lord, help us to see sin for what it is particularly this morning, the sin of abortion. And if any of us, Lord, have hardened our hearts to this, if any of us have not been convinced, if we have not been impressed with the seriousness of it, God, I pray that you would do it right now. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up men in your church to lead the fight for all of us to use our voice, to cry out, to hold back those being led to the slaughter. God, your word tells us we can't just say, oh, I didn't know. We cannot claim ignorance anymore. God, I pray that you would raise up pastors in the church who would leave the comfort of their pulpits to do hard things. God, there was a time even in our country where men finished preaching and grabbed a rifle to go fight. Where are those men today? Lord God, help us to pray that you would bring up those men. You are never looking for better methods, God. You are always looking for better men. And I pray that we would begin to see them being brought up in your church. I pray that that would be true of my sons and every young man in this room. Gift your people with boldness and compassion for their neighbor. Lord, help us, equip us, encourage us. Give us everything that we need. We know you will. We know you supply us with everything we need in order to do what you have called us to do. And so God, now that we can see, now that we know that we need, help us to want what it is that we need and to ask, knowing and having faith we will receive.
In Jesus' name, amen.